What's up? My name is Ruben Ronde and you're tuning into another episode of the State of Trends podcast. And this week we have a guest that flew in all the way from Vancouver, Canada to be in the studio to represent his new album. It's called Satellites. Welcome, Somna. Thanks. Thanks for having me. How are you doing, uh, Benjamin? Uh, I'm good. I'm a little bit jet-lagged. I was struggling to get some sleep when I got here. But yeah. I'm here. I'm so you're happy. here. You're also mentally here. Yeah. Physically, you're here. Mentally, you're just getting there a little bit with the jet lag. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things that you have to deal with when you become a professional DJ. Just, ha- just that's just how it is. Mm. So, um, I have a couple of questions from fans. I have them here. Okay, uh, I'll ask you those as well. Um, but first, we're going to start the podcast the way I always start the podcast because there's always a moment in your life that you were sparked that you were like, okay, dance music, that's it. What was your what was your spark that you started out? being interested in dance music? Um, I was in like high school and one of my friends played uh, a track called uh, I Can't Stop Raving by an artist called Dune. Dune. Yeah, it's like happy hardcore. It's, yeah, it's super like old school. Trip. And I was like, yo, this is this is really good. Like, I, I'm down with this. And then I started to like dive into uh, dance music and really kind of got into the uh, like Brisk and Ham, Scott Brown, uh, hardcore kind of stuff. And then mm-hmm. Isla, DJ Tandu, um, and start to uh, get into trance, I guess. So that I must have been looking at the tracks that you just called must have been like 98 or a little uh, bit earlier already. It was around like 2001, 2000. Okay, so the, the, the tunes were kind of older already. Yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. yeah. And then the moment came that you were like, okay, um, I like this music, but I want to start making it as well or start DJing it as well. Yeah, um, that was uh, like, I, was, I started going to like underground raves and stuff and uh, I was kind of like, you know, this DJ is playing some good songs, but they're not all um, songs that I really like. So I was like, I want to be up there and play all the songs that I like. And that's kind of how I started DJing. Um, so just because you thought you could do it better? Um, not better, <laughs> but just like bet, like more tailored to my own taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, see what you, I see what you did there. Uh, big, big question there. How do you explain to the generation that, that is there right now what a rave is? Like an illegal rave. How would you how would you uh, so, uh, how would you say something like that went down? Ooh, well, back then it was like you had to call an info line to get the uh, the details in order to find out where it was held. Yeah, and then you had to like follow the instructions or meet up with someone to get like a piece of paper with the instructions. And it was just it was a different time. Like it was it was good times, um, and they all went all night. I guess a lot of. Uh, it's it's like clubbing now in in Canada at least. So there's very few all night dance parties. Yeah. Back then that was like definitely the thing. And yeah. So back then you needed to solve a puzzle before you could go to a rave. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So there was no pre party because if you were too drunk, then you couldn't go to the venue because you couldn't know what the password was or anything. So. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, okay, so you started your DJ career because you thought, okay, this is more tailored to my tastes. Yeah. I'll play music for myself. And then a moment also came that you started making music. What was that step like? Um, that was in like 2003. And uh, I guess it was just a natural progression, like wanting to grow as an artist and be able to share like my ideas. So I started... Um, using program called uh, Reason and Acid Pro. Oh, yeah. Uh, way yeah. back in the day. And uh, and I was like in my parents' basement just on this like CRT monitor making uh, 
it was like hard dance music uh, back then. And, yeah. And some trance actually um, was one of the first like tracks I made before I kind of deep dived into like hard dance. And then I kind of came back to trance later. Yeah. yeah. So it took you about two years uh, into sitting in your parents' basement before you released your first tunes as Roadie Style. Yeah. So Roadie Style, that was your alias before Somna. Yes. Yeah, that was. Tell us about Roadie Style. Um, well, it's a, it's like 150 beats per minute, like hard dance, hard trance uh, kind of stuff. And uh-huh. um, back then I was on a record label called Tidy Tracks. I know you guys still play Tidy Tracks. Yeah, on the, it, it was like a revive like two or three years ago. Suddenly with Tidy Tracks was back again. Yeah. So I used to be on the, the roster for Tidy Tracks and mm-hmm. that's when I moved to the UK and I was playing a, a lot of shows and, and just uh, like making hard dance music. That Yeah, that was up until about 2011. Like, so you moved away from Canada the, the, uh, to Canada from to Manchester to, to pursue your dream. Yeah, yeah. I quit my job in Canada and then moved out to uh, out to the UK for like five and a half years. Wow, I guess that's a pivotal moment for every producer that's maybe listening to this uh, show. That you get to a moment that you're like, okay, maybe I can do this professionally, mm-hmm. and you decided, and you had the nerve also to how do you say it? You you were confident enough in yourself to do that and take a leap of faith. Yeah, it was, it was scary, but, um, so how did I, your, how did your parents, uh, I was just about to say like react to that. out of, uh, my parents are not really your typical Chinese parents, uh-huh. like typical Chinese parents, like, yo, you gotta be like a doctor or like an engineer or something yeah. like that. My parents were like, they're really open to it. They said, if this is, if this is what you want to do and you think you can make a living out of it, then, you know, we support you. So, yeah. uh, they're, they're okay with it. I think that's awesome. Because I think if you listen to this and you think like, I, I'm good enough at this, I can pursue this. I feel I, I have enough talent to, or not even talent, but you work hard enough to make a difference. What's the worst thing that can happen? Mm-hmm. You fall flat on your face, you get up again. I guess yeah. that's yeah. what it is, right? You never know unless you uh, try. So how was the experience for you to actually move to another place where you were all by yourself, except for people from the label, I guess. Yeah, it was. Uh, what kind of environment did you get into? It was it was scary um, and kind of lonely as well too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think that's the beautiful thing about the music scene is that people are really welcoming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was lonely, but at the same time, I had people that uh, like I guess like fans and and other uh, artists as well too that I could talk to, and mm-hmm. it was uh, I, I guess the passion for trying to make it as an artist kind of overcame the loneliness of being alone. Yeah, that makes sense. Because if you move somewhere, you kind of feel, there's probably like-minded people around you that you can connect with straight away, I guess. Mm-hmm. So this was 2011 that you moved to the UK? No. Um, this Before was, that? Uh, yeah, around 2005. Okay. That was when I moved to the UK. That's when I was like, okay, I'm going to do this full time. Okay. And then you did roadie style for a, a bit, for like a few years. Mm-hmm. Um in 2008, you even won the Best New Face Award at the Hard Dance Awards. Yeah, I did. I wrote like a poem and read it on on the on the stage. I don't remember it, but yeah, that was a special moment, I guess. But the Hard Dance, you left it behind because um, at a certain point, you were like, "Okay, I'm going to leave this behind and focus on trance." Mm-hmm. Why did you? Because I guess if you win an award like that, you have tidy tracks behind you. You moved across the ocean to pursue a career as roadie style. Why did you decide to leave that behind and focus on a new alias? Start over again. 
Yeah, it was it was tough starting over because it was definitely like right back at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, I I've always enjoyed melodies, and I think the thing is when I started making music in general, the first track I actually made was Trance, and it was released on uh, Tunnel Records. Yeah, um, on like Tunnel Trance Force and stuff like that way back in the day. But then I started making Hard Dance, and it kind of stuck. So. Like that took off for me. So I started focusing on that. Like, okay, this is successful. I'll keep going this way. Yeah. Yeah. um, But like, I've always really loved uh, writing melodies. And when I decided to move back to Canada, um, because I met my wife uh, when I was on tour and Mm -hmm. uh, I was kind of like, hard dance isn't sustainable in North America as well. And I really want to focus on writing music that is uh, a lot more melodic and not kind of like, really crazy hard and stuff mm-hmm. stuff that my parents might actually enjoy yeah um and then so uh, i started in uh 2011 started to uh focus on uh, on writing trance more the first release uh, correct me if i'm wrong uh, was uh together with vio cassel and sarah jane Neilt without yeah. you on song birth yeah so you kicked off your trance career straight away with a big label yeah i think uh i guess the beauty of being at it for a while before doing Somna was that I, I built up like contacts and I kind of had uh, a general idea of how to send demos and, you know, what to, what to expect. So I wasn't kind of going in at, at, as like a complete noob. Yeah. Um, and also when I sent in my demo, I was like, look, uh, Hey, you know, black hole, my name is so-and-so I've got some releases in the past. I was actually making like house music and stuff as well. So uh-huh. I was like, here's some of the stuff I've done um, on, on like ministry sound and other labels. And here's my new trance track. So I think it helped because they were like, Oh, this and some like random guy he's actually got like a little bit of stuff behind him so so a big lesson to be taken in there is that you have to put some context into your demos that you send out it helps yeah Yeah. so we're like okay i'm not a complete noob i've done some stuff in the past Mm -hmm. check out the tune that i did in a different style yeah it helps like legitimize your demo email a little bit i think Mm -hmm. and then um um not long after that you had your first release with uh with andy moore um Help me out. That's the one thing about you. Yeah. That was the first one on A4 recordings? That was... Um, or was there already released before that? The uh, first collab I've, uh, that I did with Andy Moore. Um, but my first Ava release was actually back when Ava was part of uh, Armada. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was my first uh, Ava release. But the first collaboration with Andy was uh, our 100th release as Ava. Yeah. And that was one thing about you. Which had topped the Beatport chart for, I don't know, three years. <laughs> I wish <laughs> no no I was on top of the list a long time I remember that very well um, because I remember uh, working with when Eve was part of Armada I was uh, doing the A&R things together with Andy as well back in the days um, how did your relationship start with Andy because the funny thing is that you lived in Manchester for a while he's from Stoke mm-hmm. which is not so far away from each other you lived a parallel life I guess yeah how did you guys meet up um, well I never met him when I lived in the UK. It was actually, he came to Vancouver, or Vancouver yeah, to play a show. Um, and I picked him up from the airport because I yeah. was like looking after him in Lange. And uh, before that, I kind of reached out on email and expressed my interest in getting involved. I was like, look, I'll just, I'll listen to like crappy demos. Like I'll, you know, I'll do anything. I love to get involved. Mm-hmm. And then when I picked him up from the airport, uh, we got along really well. And he was kind of like, hey, do you know how to do like design and stuff? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, do you want to be a 50-50 partner in Ava? And I was like, okay. Just like that? Just like that, yeah. And then uh, and then we became partners. It was really random. So that was straight away on the table. It as was, As soon yeah. as you picked him up, he was like, okay, 
Or did you already talk on beforehand? No, we we never discussed uh, any sort of like partnership or anything like that. It was like, hey, I'll fill your coffee for you, kind of like. Yeah, you're like, like okay, I'll start as a sort of an intern yeah, or something exactly. like that. I, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to get involved, and then it was like, yeah, you can get involved heavily, <laughs> and then I was like, okay, and so that's kind of how it began. That must have been uh, an interesting weekend for you that you come home after dropping him off. And you're like, what the hell happened here? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it really hit me right away, but um, it's, yeah, it hit me later. And I was like, okay, this is actually a lot of work as well too. Yeah. Um, but I have run uh, like hard dance uh, labels in the past. Yeah. So perhaps Andy had a, uh, knew my background, like having run some labels. So yeah, yeah. maybe he did some research or he was like, okay, this yeah. kid's going to pick me up. Hold my beer. I'll do <laughs> either, some research and I'll just offer him everything. Yeah. Either that or he just took like a random chance and um, and he, uh, yeah, he took a random chance and I haven't run it to the ground. So I think... Uh, well, okay. he hit the jackpot to be honest because you're doing an amazing job because I think uh, Ava was, which makes sense because I'm in the same situation. If you run a label all by yourself, then you don't have time because you have to make music, you have to do this, this and that and that and that. And if someone comes aboard and helps you out, then Ava became of releasing one track every two months, suddenly three sub-labels and releasing every week constantly yeah. straight away like that. Mm-hmm. Is that something that uh, comes out of your um, thought thought of how to run a label basically? You're like, okay, I have to do it like this, release more stuff. Or how does how is the chemistry between you and Andy in deciding what to do? Um, I don't know. We didn't really discuss it, but we just started getting a lot of really great music. Um, and I think because we had so much great music, it just started to begin like become one release uh, every week. Yeah. So I think if we have less quality, then we just wouldn't release as much. So it's not, uh, we must release every week. It's like, we've got so much great stuff. We kind of need to release every single week. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, it, we, I've, I have some wonderful help. Uh, Ava Deep, our deeper label is uh, pretty much run by LTN, who uh, you know very well. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Ava White, we have uh, Artie from Poland. Uh-huh. Uh, he helps us with a and ring that. So he helps uh, find some great music for there as well. Okay. So it's not just all me. I have some wonderful people that I work with. So, and you're uh, in touch with them every single day or how does it work? Are you like a sort of a CEO right now and the rest is just working for you? Or how do uh, I have to see that? No, I, I do. I do a lot of, uh, a lot of work day in, day out. Uh, for the label, um, just even from designing the artwork to scheduling everything and um, making the contracts. It's just kind of like everything. Um, I have, uh, my wife uh, does all the so, uh, social media mm-hmm. for us, which is very helpful. Yeah. And uh, we have uh, Yang who listens to uh, our, our demos and then kind of weeds out like the, the ones that he thinks are really quality before showing like Andy and I. Okay. Um, so we have kind of like uh, things in place to, to make everything work uh, well. So Andy took you in and you took in a whole team, basically. That's yeah. how it is. Yeah, pretty that's, much. I think that's awesome. And how do you how do you uh, deal with it if Andy likes a tune a lot and you don't, or the other way around? Um, I definitely will let him know my thoughts, mm-hmm. uh, and as well, and other way around as well too. And we'll just we'll discuss it and kind of see like you know the reasons why. But at the end of the day, uh, I, we've never had any disagreements about tracks. Mm-hmm. I think our tastes are very aligned and. You know, Andy knows good music. So uh, when he usually comes up with a, a track that he says like, hey, this is really good, then mm-hmm. I'll be like, oh yeah, this is really good. And and kind of goes from there. So we're uh, 
fingers crossed, everything's all good, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess so. You're doing a good job together with Andy, and of course with the rest of the team. Oh, I didn't know you. there was so so many people also behind the scenes working on Ava. Makes a lot of sense if you do so many releases, you have to have the the help as well to make sure that everything gets promoted in the right way. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say? What was the the one advice you would give to an, an artist that wants to get signed by Ava? What What does an artist have to do to to reach you guys or to get on board? Uh, well, I think obviously make sure your music is up to par. Um, that means like, you know, kind of doing your due diligence and getting feedback from your, uh, from people that you trust. Mm-hmm. So that way when you send in, cause I, I do feel like uh, when you send in your first song, you get kind of judged by it. And if your first song is absolute garbage, then your second demo that you come in, uh, it'll be a little bit harder to catch the attention, yep. I think. So yep. I think it's really important to, Make sure your stuff is quality. Mm-hmm. And then I think uh, like a, a proper, like good, uh, good email that's not like a novel, but uh, has some like good some uh, bullet points, yeah, or, some yeah. bullet points and stuff. And you know, and also maybe I, I would add to that uh, this maybe tell something about the track itself as well. Like this is something like this and this and this, or the genre, or this sounds like an artist like this or that, or yeah, yeah, that helps because. If they're like, hey, this is like, um, you know, this is opera music, then like, we, don't, okay. we don't have to listen to it right away. So Saves you a lot of time. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're here for a good reason because you're releasing your album, Satellite, your second album. Mm. Um, I have to say, what came to mind straight away when I saw the album artwork and also the single artwork is that it just looks beautiful. It's yeah. not like, hey, it's a random picture, slap it on top. Yeah. There's some thought in there. Um, first of all, tell us about the, the album title. How did you come up with that? Yeah. Um, so during the pandemic, uh, when everything shut down, uh, I started uh, streaming, uh, as you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that really kind of saved me because uh, I was able to connect with uh, with people and um, and share my music. And uh, during that time, like I received a, a lot of support. Um, we've got a couple of my friends in the studio right now who actually uh, have been an amazing part of my, my stream supporting me. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the album, as I was working on it, it came to mind that this is kind of like my love letter to the people that have supported me because uh, it's like the connection that we all made during the pandemic when we're all stuck at home. Yeah. Um, the only way we could really connect was through satellites, like, you know, beaming like our, our thoughts and, and like the music uh, uh, over the airwaves to one another. So this is kind of like for them um, and for me because... Uh, I think they were the, they were really there for me, yeah. and I want this to be something that's kind of like there for them. Yeah, way. yeah, it makes sense. And this is also what the album artwork sh- uh, shows. Like this is well, this is not you, but it could have been. <laughs> and that's the satellites. Or yes. if you're watching the video stream, uh, that's where's the camera? Uh, there's the camera. This one. So uh, yeah. So those are the satellites that represent the li- the the viewers of your stream. Yeah, or basically. just that, like the the satellites represent um, where everything's being beamed to before spreading out yeah. to everyone uh, well, in the world. Actually, that comes up in my mind. Let's ask one of the guys that's here in the studio, just jump on the microphone one second. Who's going to do it? There you go. Yeah. Professional uh, professional podcast maker, by the way. Um, he's he's telling about, first, well, introduce yourself really brief. Uh, my name's Simon Leon. Yeah. So Simon Leon, also a Twitch streamer. Um, he's had a release on Ava Recordings as well, too. Well, there you go. So he's talking about his tween, uh, Twitch streams in the pandemic. What what made you... Because I know how it is. You go to Twitch, you browse around a couple of channels, you feel the vibe, the chat, what's going on, stuff like that. 
Why did you stuck around with with uh, Somna? Well, I discovered Somna um, when he was doing music production streams, and I thought, and I've been loving trance for you know decades, and I thought, oh, maybe I could try this as well. And he graduated from music production streams to um, actual Twitch streaming, and I thought this is just a thing during a pandemic. And I just started; it became like a way of life. Yeah, um, I would always ch- um, try and tune in and fit the streams um, around my. You know, we were all stuck at home and it was just something that, it was an escape for me. Okay. So he just brought you like a whole new career almost then. Yeah, absolutely. Simon, That's awesome. Simon was like, I think he's one of the first ever subscribers I ever got mm-hmm. in the three years. He's like the first one like that subscribed to me. And I think that's that's great about uh, Twitch streaming that you actually, like people from the chat become from names, they become friends. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Well, that's nice. Thank you for your story, you. Simon. <laughs> I just wanted to have him on the microphone just to see what's yeah. so satellites. Um, what was the hardest thing about creating this second album? Because the first one was in 2020, just before the pandemic. How did you motivate yourself to create another album? <laughs> motivate myself. It's a funny question because when I did my first album, I was like, oh, you know, maybe I can finally go on the stage trying to do a guest <laughs> mix because it's like a dream come true being here. And then um, I was like, yes, my album's done. I'm all ready. Maybe this can happen. And then uh, the pandemic was like, nope. nope. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, oh no. And then uh, like, I, I love writing albums because you can be creative. But I was also like, in my mind, I was like, hmm, okay, well, I better write in a, better write a second album so I can get on the stage trance. Yeah. Um, and uh, here you are. Yeah, here I am. So the, one of the, the one of the motiv- motivations was to get on the show, just to write an album. Yeah. Well, there you go. Tick it off. Yeah. No, <laughs> thank you so much for... Uh, no, it's great to have here. you. Uh, the funny thing is that uh, we have artists in the studio here as well and they just say, we don't do albums anymore. Spotify destroyed albums. Why would I do albums if I would release 12 new songs and people would only listen to one or two? Mm-hmm. What made you decide to do an album anyway? Um, well, I, I love different styles of music. So yeah. I kind of felt like doing an album allows me a little bit of leeway to experiment and you know, release like a melodic bass uh, track as well Mm -hmm. too and some chill out stuff. Um, And uh, we kind of like, our workaround for that was we released 10 singles before the album comes out. There's 15 tracks. Um, So we're still kind of getting that like singles um, mentality, which you're you're totally right. Like nowadays, if you release even an EP with like multiple tracks, maybe only one track um, gets picked up for playlisting. The other yeah. ones, you can only pitch one, right? So, uh, so we are, uh, V and I decide, okay, we're just going to release like 10 singles yeah. and then we're going to drop the album. So that makes sense. But does that mean if you, that you're saying that you create a song for an album, mm-hmm. like a melodic drum and bass track or something like that, does it mean that you are afraid to release it as a single or why won't you release it as a single? Um, well, I actually ended up releasing the melodic bass one as a single. Mm-hmm. Um, but prior to that, I think it was just like scary because, uh, you know, like people say like, don't read YouTube comments about your tracks and stuff like that. Uh, and as an artist, sometimes it's a bit disheartening when uh, when you pour your heart into writing a song and, you know, people kind of tear it apart because it's not something that uh, fits like what they like. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a bit, it was like a bit terrifying to me to, release like you know different genres uh as singles out there prior to like the album yeah uh so the album is kind of a way where i'm like okay you know what i can justify having like a non-trance track 
releasing because I can just be like, it's part of the album. Yeah. So. I really encourage that because to be really honest with you, I think the new generation that is growing up right now, that's the, the, the 18 year old, 17, 16, they don't care about genres anymore. Mm -hmm. I guess it's just about that one person on YouTube or Reddit yeah. out of a, well, you have a lot of listeners on Spotify. Out of the thousands of people, there's one or two uh, in the YouTube section or the in or Twitter, you know, the garbage can that's called Twitter nowadays, <laughs> yeah. that puts something hateful on there about your music. Mm -hmm. But it dis you're like, okay, you're, you, it discourages you to experiment and just show your true artists, uh, artistry of making music. Yeah. So I think that's very good that you did that, to be honest, to create something that's outside of the box. It's still melodic. It's still trendy, I guess. Mm -hmm. And like I said, the new generation doesn't give a shit about genres anymore. So yeah. I think um, kind of goes back to the Twitch stuff as well, too. There was a lot of support from people yeah. on there that was like, we love it when you play something other than trance on yeah. stream. And it kind of validated that um, that there are people that just uh, want to enjoy good music of any kind and and that I shouldn't be afraid to experiment. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think the exact same thing. When I'm doing my production streams on Twitch as well, I create something totally random and people are still enjoying it or still have questions about it. And then they're like, then you realize like, I can do whatever I want to, right? So mm -hmm. I can release whatever I want to do. So good job on that. Thank you. I think that's a, it's amazing. And I encourage a lot of other people to do the same, both streaming your uh, stuff on Twitch. Don't be afraid of giving away any secrets. There's no secrets anymore because you can find anything about production on YouTube anyway. So it's not like you're reinventing the wheel or something. Yeah. You're just hanging out with people and just making music and they have positive input on your music as well. Like, hey, maybe you should do this or that, or that. And if you, yeah. You have A&Rs in the chat suddenly. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I have a lot of questions uh, for you from the fans. Um, okay. Penguin Fire wants to know, why do you make trans music above other genres? Well, you um, kind of explained that already, but... Yeah, I, just, I love melodies. I think uh, I, I'm classically trained, so it's just like melodies are part of growing up mm -hmm. um so yeah i just i love the way it makes me feel or it brings up like a memory or something like that so i think everyone that listens to trance can kind of relate yeah the melodies the chord progressions yeah the happiness or sadness sometimes yeah. i guess so you classically trained the, the did you go to a musical school or something like that uh like i took lessons i played violin and mm -hmm. i played in an orchestra for a couple of years as well too mm -hmm. um and then uh then I quit because I hated it because my, <laughs> my parents, I was like, they were like, you're going to regret it. And then I was like, no, I'm not. And then now I'm like, okay, I regret it. But it was very helpful. Do you think um, it's an advantage or disadvantage that you have musical knowledge going into a doll and making dance music? It's an absolute advantage for mm -hmm. sure. It's not to say that if you don't have classical or trained or musical background that you can't do it. Yeah. Because I think you anyone can do it um, for sure. It's a definite, uh, it helps. For sure, but don't let it di discourage you from making music if you really have a passion for it. You don't. Ha you ha don't have to stick to the rules. Yeah, exactly. Certain things. Uh, Ori uh, Oranda I Oranda wants to know what was your best show ever. Ooh. Um, actually, I think it might be uh, in Tokyo recently. I played at uh, Warp Shinjuku, and the the crowd in Tokyo just—they're amazing. They're really there with you when you play. Mm -hmm. I feel like um, if they don't know who you are, they kind of research who you are before they come to the show as well, mm -hmm. which is amazing. Um, and uh, it's just, yeah, probably one of the best crowds I've played to. 
why was it so special then besides that they are very close around you? Oh. If you'd like, is that a lot better than doing something for example, Dream State or anything? Um, no, Such well, a massive crowd versus like a small club crowd. Well, it was, I think you can, you definitely feed off the energy of people mm -hmm. uh, when you play as a DJ and uh, when they're really far away in like a, a festival, it's sometimes it's hard to judge yeah. whether or not they're enjoying it or not. Mm -hmm. um, but when they're up and close uh, and you can like kind of really feel like every time you drop something, they're, they're cheering or they're, yeah. they're dancing. You can see it in their face. It, it really kind of just energizes you more. And I, I think uh, that really uh, just, I don't know, just like hit me right in the feels. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Especially after three years of just seeing your pets and your wife. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it, <I guess. laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Um, Utah Official wants to know, do you prefer collaborations or solo tracks? Um, well, I like, so I work with vocalists a lot. So, mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like a, it's a collaboration with the vocalist, but on the production side of things, it's a, it's like a solo track. So, yeah. um, I think I prefer doing collaborations with vocalists and, but solo kind of doing the production. I think it's maybe just cause I have a vision of what it sounds like. And then sometimes if I do a collaboration and they want to do something different, it's, it's kind of. Uh, it's kind of hard to sometimes get around that. Yeah. Um, but I do love doing collaborations as well too. But I'd say if I only could pick one, I would definitely go with the uh, solo, but with like a vocal um, kind of. How do you normally work with vocalists? Do they send you songs or do you send out instrumentals? Or what is your preference? Uh, it's a bit of both. Um, the obvious preference is when they have a top line ready. Yeah. ready. Um, makes my life a lot easier for yeah. sure. Um, and if it's not that, then what I usually do is I just write um, some melodies, like some chords, um, maybe a simple beat over it and then I'll just uh, send that out to a, a vocalist rather than writing the entire track because it's bound to change. Like, yeah. Right. A question that I really was curious about because you're a label owner, you're an A&R mm -hmm. um, of Ava Recordings and then the album comes and I'm like, hey, wait a minute, magic music. Why didn't you release it on your own label? Um, it's kind of like a, I, I guess it's the budget thing. Like, um, you know, and Match Music, Black Hole, they've been, uh, so amazing supporting me and uh, and Ava, and they have they have more contacts and just uh, a wider reach than Ava does. Um, to be completely uh, blunt and honest, so yeah. um, releasing it on there kind of allows me to have a bit more wiggle room with uh, with you know having a budget to work with yeah. for stuff like the design, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I that that's kind of why I, I work with uh, Black. Does that mean that you suddenly had to? Um talk with their A&R, like, hey, is this good enough? Instead of you being your own A&R, like, hey. Um, I didn't actually. Now, uh, I think this is something that I'm just very blessed to be uh, with Black Hole is that before uh, Arnie even listened to the album, he said, yes, we'll sign the album without listening. Uh, so he, I think he just trusted that it was good. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I hope I haven't let them down. But uh, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, they've, they've actually never on both albums said something wasn't good enough or to change something. So uh, it's nice. I think they really, I feel like they really believe in me. Yeah, big shout out to Arnie and the rest of the Black Hole crew for sure. The last question already, uh, Hazali wants to know, why is your name Somna? What is the story behind it? Um, okay, so- Because obviously your name is Benjamin and not Somna. Yeah, well, Somna, when I was coming up with a name uh, for, for my trans alias, uh, I was playing a lot of Call of Duty zombie mode. Mm -hmm. um, 
And someone was like, yeah, Somna is a kind of zombie. And I was like, oh, what, what? I'm sold. And it turns out Somna means to fall asleep in uh, uh, Swedish. Okay. Um, so then I was kind of like, hey, that really does match with uh, trance music. You know, I don't want people to fall asleep <laughs> to my music, but it, it kind of really like worked out that way. But it all kind of began with video games and zombies. There the world comes together again with gaming, streaming, <laughs> yeah. music, everything. Well, thank you so much for answering all these questions. And once again, um, Satellites, make sure to stream it. Uh, there's a vinyl as well coming, I there think. There is, yeah, vinyl uh, The CD is out there right now for everyone to check it out. Thank you so much for answering all the questions. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Next time, we're going to be back with a new podcast with special guests, Houseload. See you then. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. Check all previous episodes on YouTube or your favorite podcast portal. A State of Trance podcast.